You are listening to The Dan Patrick Show on Fox Sports Radio. Dan Patrick. Dan Patrick. So sports may be hard to come by at the moment. Nothing's permanent. I'm not saying it's permanent. But The Dan Patrick Show is impossible to miss. From our podcast to YouTube to the iHeartRadio app. Listen any way you want, anytime, anywhere. Get away from me. Probably at your house. I'm just going to make some assumptions. It's the Dan Patrick Show. Doug Gottlieb, Fox Sports Radio host. We have to stop this nonsense about the Packers somehow disrespecting Aaron Rodgers. Hey, this is just my opinion. They gave him more money than any player in the history of the sport just last year. Bringing you the biggest guests. Doug and I will never agree on things. And better opinions. All right, Wilbon, let me start there. It's unbelievable arrogance. It just is. Can you handle it differently? Do people never learn anything about the way you handle something? Apparently not. Broadcasting from the Mercedes Man Cave, this is Dan Patrick. Boy, I hope you have YouTube to watch the display that I just put on during the commercial (laughs) break on radio. We were doing cornhole. Paulie and I were out in the field house, and uh, we were throwing the bags there, a little cornhole. Cabela sent us uh, some uh, cornhole, and... uh, I put on a clinic, dusted Paulie off, and then did a walk-off behind the back cornhole. And I was ready to leave the building, and I realized I had two more hours to do. Yeah, Paulie. Fellas, you, for the rest of the Danettes, this is a direct hit, because I pride myself on backyard games with a beer in one hand. With my athletic ability, <laughs> cornhole's really all I got left. And Dan, who, I, who says, air quotes, he's never played it before, he put two in the hole and then he put eight on his first run, and then he went behind the back and drilled one uh, yeah, Swish. is that good? Like, what I did, is that considered good? I'm not quite sure. Still I, only counts for the same points, though, so. Yeah, no, it's style points, Seton. That's when you oh, send right. a message. That's when people go, oh, man. He's so bored, he's going behind the back. That is so typically you, too, by the way. It's just <laughs> randomly throw one behind the back, and it goes in, and it's like, oh, God. Yep. It's like a ESPN <laughs> The Ocho broadcast the uh, cornhole Every year. Yeah. I think it's sponsored by Johnsonville Broth or something. I'm mean, Dan. Yeah. You may have some free time. Yeah. No, I, that's it. Uh, one and done. Like, I can never be better than what I just was. So that's it. I'm done. I retire. I'm like Dave, David Tyree. I had that one catch, and then that's it. I never played another uh, game again. All right. Welcome to the program. We'll check in with uh, Mark G. and Greco. And uh, he... You don't. You may not know the name nationally, but locally in Chicago, he's one of the great local sportscasters ever. And he was there during the Jordan era, and I thought it would be fun to get the local take on the Jordan documentary. And Gian Greco has some stories to tell with uh, Michael as well. Bob Costas will join us coming up in the final hour of the program. Baseball is trying their damnedest to figure this out, and uh, we're going to have Bob on to talk about that with the divisions that they're talking about, the three different divisions here the likelihood of baseball. And also, Bob was on the call, I believe, for Jordan's last game that season of the documentary when he hit the shot in Utah. So we'll talk to Bob Costas a little bit later on. McLevin, what kind of poll question do you have for me? Okay, our one was, which team will end up having the number one pick? Jags still leading, Redskins, and then Lions third. Uh, we're, we've actually moved into a movie discussion. We could go that way for a poll if you wanted to. Well, what are the other poll questions that we were uh, toying with here? Oh, well, I had a poll question that it might be, 
I don't know if it's appropriate, but are you more likely to watch a NASCAR race because nothing else is going on? Do you think the audience would say like 80% yes? Because I don't know. Mm, I'm not sure with that sport, if you're not a fan that you're going to jump on. I, I, I truly don't know. I don't know if people would just stop and because it's happening live because NASCAR is coming back this month. I, I don't know. I, I would, but you know, my job is to cover all sports and, and just to sample it a little bit, no matter what it is, you know, UFC coming back, you know, those things, at least you have talking points with them, but I, I don't know if people will go, if it's soccer, they may, may they might watch soccer, I don't know if they're going to watch NASCAR if they normally don't watch NASCAR. Yeah, McLovin. What about non-major golf, which seems like it could really makes a lot of sense. People will watch that. Absolutely. You'll watch it just because there's escapism there where you're watching somebody play golf. You might not be able to play golf and just to see how they pull this off. But yeah, absolutely. Uh, 877-3DP-SHOW. Email address dp at danpatrick.com. Twitter handle at dpshow. Uh, we all know the deal with Jersey numbers. We saw this with Tom Brady. Tom Brady, you know, he goes to Tampa and Chris Godwin never really had a chance of holding on to number 12. That was after Brady signed. I don't know what kind of agreement they had. Uh, you know, the development that emerged in Dallas was interesting. The rookie wide receiver, C.D. Lamb, he wanted to wear number 10. But the jersey with 88 showed up on NFL Pro Shop. And you might say it's just another number, but not with the Cowboys. And I do believe Jerry Jones had a former teammate at Arkansas whose name I think was Jerry Lamb, who wore number 88. And I think he was saying to C.D. Lamb, I really, really want you to wear number 88. So I got Drew Pearson, Michael Irvin, and Des Bryant. Based on that history, I'd, Lamb has got to be good. He better be good. But you get him at number 17, now he's going to try to follow in the footsteps of all those great players that wore number 88. That's pretty good if you're looking. I don't know, have we ever gotten into numbers? Because I'm into numerology, but the numbers of, of a franchise. You have 88 with the Cowboys with Drew Pearson, Michael Irvin, and Des Bryant. Those are three great wide receivers. And Drew Pearson should be in the Hall of Fame. You got Michael Irvin in the Hall of Fame as well. But I'm trying to think if you have that tradition with a team where you're wearing, and I have no idea. I'm just throwing this out. I don't have any research on it, but I'm just wondering the number, is there a, a position with a franchise where you go, yep, that person wore that number, that person wore that number, that person wore that number. Yeah, Paul. The only one I could think of off the top of my head is not pro. It's college football, number 44 for Syracuse yeah, football. Yeah. I know, I think Jim Brown had it, Ernie Davis had it. Floyd Little had it, and then they would give it to a player, almost like uh, gifting it to that player to carry on the tradition. So instead of retiring at 44 at Syracuse, they give it to a great, usually skill position player. Do you know of any of those, McLovin? No, because my hunch is that people avoid the great numbers. I'm looking at, at one, and I actually Googled this, and Jim Brown did come up uh, in Syracuse. But I'll, I'll have a stat sync to see if they can find any numbers that repeat. I would think it'd be a receiver, right? Because not, quarterbacks don't do the same. They they want to avoid each other's numbers. Chase Young is taking 99. He had two in college at Ohio mm. State. And then I started to wonder all the players, great players that have worn 99. Warren Sapp wore 99. Jason Taylor wore 99. Those are Hall of Famers. J.J. Watt's a Hall of Famer. Aaron Donald's a Hall of Famer. Jerome Brown wore 99. 
Mark Gastineau wore 99. Dan Hampton wore 99. Chase Young wearing number 99. That's a pretty good group to follow there of uh, great players wearing number 99. Donald Hall of Famer, J.J. Watt Hall of Famer. Jerome Brown, was Jerome Brown a Hall of Famer, McLovin? I think he died too early. I don't think he did make it. Mark Gastineau did not make it into the Hall of Fame? I don't think so, no. I mean, that's Fritzy's buddy. Dan Hampton, <laughs> Hall of Famer? Yes. Yeah, he and Richard Dent, yeah. yeah. So I was just wondering about that. When you pick that number and you're picking 99, yeah, McLovin. I mean, is there any way CeeDee Lamb's not going to be good? I know this is a silly reason, but it feels like he's really set up. Oh, I love the pick. And, I, I, of course, I wanted to see what my Cowboys would be, the over-under, and they're at nine and a half. So Tampa is higher than Dallas is at 10 wins. 10 feel uh, – I feel like they're winning 10 this year in Tampa, but it still feels a little aggressive. Like, I wish that they weren't – I wish it was nine. I'd feel a little better. Like, oh, I don't want them to be up that high. You know, the Ravens at 11.5, Kansas City at 11.5. Who is more likely out of that group to surpass 11.5? All in on the Ravens, had a good draft. Kansas City got a running back at the end of the first round. Um, Or you have the Saints and the Niners. If I said, who will have the most wins this year? Or maybe there's an outlier there. San Francisco got better. Saints... Kind of status quo, but they did get a, a center out of Michigan. Uh, Kansas City Ravens. And then you start, you have to look at the divisions. The Chargers may be better. Well, they should be better than last year. The Raiders won't surprise anybody this year. Denver, they got weapons. They should be better. Then I look at the Ravens, their division. The Ravens, are the Steelers going to be good? Better, a little better than average. Ben is back. How healthy he's going to be? Uh, the Bengals will be a little better, but you know that's you know maybe they get five wins, and then you have the Browns, who should be a playoff team. What are the Browns at nine and a half wins? Eight and a half. Ooh, yeah, they can't be eight and a half. They better be at least nine wins this year. I'm so. And then you look at these and you go, they're just daring you to t- either go over or under on these things. This is why I don't gamble. Do I think the Ravens, Chiefs, Saints, or Niners? The division the Saints are in with the Buccaneers. Um, Carolina's not very good. Atlanta will be a little better. The Niners, Cardinals should be better. Seattle will be Seattle. And I got the Rams where I'm not quite sure. Um, hmm. Who will have the most wins out of there? I'm going to take the Niners just because I think Kansas City, well, you know what happens when you lose the Super Bowl and you end up not doing well the following season. Maybe I shouldn't do that. You know, the Saints, the Ravens. You know, maybe it's the Ravens again. You know, I don't think that they lost much and they certainly gained some things. You get a linebacker and you get a running back there. I got another year with Lamar Jackson on the job. Yeah, Paul. I had the 2019 preseason NFL win totals. The win total over-under for the Baltimore Ravens last year going into the season was 8.5, and, and they got 14 wins. For the Niners, it was 8, and they got 13 wins. Yeah. So those are like the overachievers. The Buffalo Bills, the over-under was 7 last year, and they got 10 wins. 
Well, I definitely would have put money on my Buffalo Bills last year. I thought that they were, uh, I think I even said they were a 10-win team. Your L.A. Chargers, the over-under last year, going into 2019, was nine and a half wins. They won five games. Yeah, that one's one of those mind-boggling where you go, wait, how how could you guys, with that much talent, not be competitive? And they weren't even competitive last year. Browns were what last year, Paulie? Expected to win nine games by Vegas. They won six. Yeah. Well, everybody was all in on that. They were like, "Yeah, got Odell back. There's got Baker Mayfield. Yeah, we got a, we got ourselves a super team. Nick Chubb. They're going to get Kareem Hunt halfway through the season. What could go aren't wrong? You, aren't you still kind of in on it though? Uh, the Browns. Like, you look at it and you're like, "Yeah, I like it." I'm wondering what happened though, Seton. I just <laughs> I, I I go, what happened here? Now maybe it's it's Fredo Kitchens, and he just wasn't ready to handle that and those personalities. I don't know if Stefanski, Kevin Stefanski, you know, he's a different guy coming in. He learned from Mike Zimmer in Minnesota. I'm going to guess they're probably going to have less fun than they did or thought they were going to. And maybe that's a good thing. You know, when the coach is on record is saying, we're going to have Baker under our thumb. That doesn't strike me as, hey, go out there and have some fun, Baker. (laughs) Let her rip there, Baker couple of phone calls. Craig in Wisconsin joins us. Hi, Craig. What do you have for me? Hey, good morning, Dan. Love the show. First time caller, 6'2", a not-so-solid 190. Mm-hmm. You, you guys were talking about numbers with sport franchises. I'm a huge Lions fan, and uh, we're not exactly known for winning, but the number 20, uh, you had some fantastic players, Lem Barney, Billy Sims, and Barry Sanders. Yep, that's number good. 20. Yep, and then they retired it, I think. I believe so. All right. Thank you, Craig. Yeah, Lem Barney was one of my favorites. I just, he was a great defensive back. And yeah, wearing number 20. And Billy Sims, I was an Oklahoma fan growing up. I just love their running backs. I love their offenses at Oklahoma. Remember, Jack Mildren was the quarterback when I first started watching Oklahoma football. Do it, Pruitt. Oklahoma would do And And of course, you know, I, I would watch them just run up the score on Rice and TCU and Kansas and all those. You know, you're like, they put up 80. They put up 70. Back then, Nebraska and Oklahoma, it felt like they had 150 players on their roster. And they were all great players. Dirk in Michigan joins us. Hi, Dirk. What do you have for me? Hey, well, Craig just stole my uh, Lions number 20s. But uh, I guess my question now is, would you rather have the Lions number 20s and Lem Barney, Billy Sims, and Barry Sanders? Or would you take the Cowboys 88? Uh, I would take your Detroit Lions. Thank you, Dirk. Yeah, if you gave me Barry Sanders. Barry Sanders is better than all the other players in this. And, and you know, the, the Cowboys who wore number 88. He, he's better than all of those players. Um, Lem Barney's a Hall of Famer. Billy Sims is not. He won the Heisman. I mean, Dez, is, Dez has been a great player, and, and Drew Pearson was a great player, and obviously Michael Irvin, Hall of Famer. Uh, Isaac in Cleveland joins us. Hey, Isaac. Hey, good morning, fellas. How good, are you? Good morning. Awesome. Hey, never been on the show before, so uh, been listening for a while, so happy to, happy to be here. Hey, so uh, I am a USC Trojan. There's a couple of numbers for sure that are a big deal off on the defensive side of the ball. Uh, 55, so that's Junior Seau and uh, Willie Mack. And then there's 42, which is cheap shot, Ronnie Lott. And uh, there's, a, there's a couple of numbers that nobody actually does want. Uh, so 32, which is the juice, 
and five, which is Reggie Bush. So it's kind of funny you got numbers both sides of the ball, and yeah. But, uh, All right. Well, thank, thank you, Isaac. Yeah. Does anybody wear thirty-two at USC? And does anybody wear five at USC? There, there are USC fans who will not say Reggie Bush's name. They just say five. That's it. They, they refuse to say his name after all of this. But yeah, Willie, Willie McGinnis and uh, Junior Sale wearing 55. I also had a friend who said, uh, well, you know, why did the Cowboys take C.D. Lamb? They didn't need him. Last year, they had the number two passing offense in the league behind Tampa Bay. They had two wide receivers with over 1,000 yards, only the third time in their team history. So you had Mari Cooper and Michael Gallup, who's a, you know, a greatly underrated uh, wide receiver. You had Terrell Owens, Terry Glenn, who did it once. Uh, Tony Hill and Drew Pearson did it once. But why did they take C.D. Lamb there? I, I like C.D. Lamb, and if you give Dak Prescott, it feels like everybody's trying to emulate what you have in Kansas City. Get a track team, put them out there, and let's see what you have. You know, you have a good running back. You got a good line. Dallas should be the NFC version of the Kansas City Chiefs. It should. But it, it you know, they didn't even win their division last year. And that's the most amazing part of the NFC East last year. The Giants weren't very good. The Redskins certainly weren't good. And the Eagles win the division with all of the injuries that they had. Dallas didn't even win the division. And I somehow had them uh, with the possibility of going to the NFC title game. Yes, for two. You know what happens if CD gets shut down by cornerbacks? Oh, boy. What Here we go. All right. I'll give you a couple seconds. Uh, no, 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 no. <laughs> Get the pain over with now. Silence of the lamb. Okay. All right. If he's unproductive. All right. Cannibalism humor. The studio. Cannibalism humor kills. Yeah. Then Todd gets it. No, then you get to do it. You're in person. Go ahead. It places the lotion in the basket. There you go. It places the lotion in the basket or it gets the hose. <laughs> Put the lotion in the basket. <laughs> There's a formula that everybody has to understand. Todd doesn't mention something unless it leads to something else. <laughs> Somehow. An impersonation waiting at the back. There's an impersonation of Rocky, Sylvester Stallone. I say you can't win! This guy's a wrecking machine. He'll knock you to tomorrow, Rock. We don't want this guy. He's got the eye of the tiger. You can't win. But Rocky that's that's not Rocky. That's Burgess that's Meredith. Yeah, that, I don't that's do a Mick. Great Rocky. Oh, I don't yeah. know if I do a great Mick either. But... No, you do. You do. And and uh, from the Simpsons, Marge Simpson. I think that's a I think that's a good impersonation. Hey, you're watching the Dan Patrick Show on YouTube. Fantastic. That's I think that's good. I do. I think that's truly good. Thanks. Yeah. C.D. Lamb. It's crazy that in 12 years we haven't figured out Todd could do these impressions. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He's kind of shy when it comes to that. I do. I'm very bad. I'd, I'd never heard him do the March. Oh, Simpson. you haven't? No. <laughs> I don't like to I be asked. Like, all, all this time together, we never I hate being been put hiding that. And you, huh. did, you did Shannon Sharp to Shannon Sharp. I think the Denver Broncos are going to win 10 and a half games. I don't know how they're going to win a half a game, but they're going to win 10 and a half games. They got Drew Locke and they got Denver. They got them receivers. They got Jerry, Judy. And you got a Dr. Phil. You've added that to your repertoire. I don't know. You got this big fish tank, and you don't got no fish in it. Why are you buying a fancy aquarium? You ain't got no fish in it. You're trying to kill a squirrel up in the tree with a water gun. It ain't going to happen. That's why your kids are on drugs. Gonna t- <laughs> That's why your kids are on drugs. 
You need a colonoscopy to call in the fire department. That's not going to get you. It is is interesting (laughs) that Dr. Phil will start all the way over here. Now, look, I'm I'm guilty as charged. Well, I'll start with something. I'll go all the way over here, and I go, how did I get here? Dr. Phil is giving advice to people, you know, that could be life or death. I'm just talking sports here. Dr. Phil will give you some analogy where you go, wait, what? You got to understand something. Walking around with a lasso don't make you a cowboy, okay? So let's get your kids some help. It means absolutely nothing. And they look at him like, that's profound. Oh, my God. My life is going to be turned around. I'm not going to be such a hoarder anymore. I'm going to start throwing out stuff. Oh, my gosh. You've saved my life. All right, we're going to take a break. Uh, We'll check in with the uh, Chicago Bulls. That'll be coming up next. 20 after the hour. Bob Costas in an hour from now here on the Dan Patrick Show. You're checking things all the time. You check your email. You check your Instagram. You check yourself out in the mirror like Fritzy does. Check something as important as your credit. Discover makes it quick and easy. Best of all, it is free. Discover is now offering FICO credit scores. That's the score used by 90% of top lenders, and it's for free. Even if you're not a customer, checking your score won't hurt your credit, and you can check each month for changes. The Discover Credit Scorecard, free for everyone. Learn more at discover.com slash credit scorecard. Limitations apply. Thanks for listening to the Dan Patrick Show podcast. Be sure to catch us live every weekday morning, 9 to noon Eastern or 6 to 9 Pacific on Fox Sports Radio. Find your local station for the Dan Patrick Show at foxsportsradio.com or stream us live every day on the iHeartRadio app by searching FSR. Here's another thing about the uh, Dallas Cowboys that, I mean, it has to drive you crazy if you're a Cowboys fan. And I had such high hopes for this team last year. The Cowboys outscored their opponents by 113 points last year. They outgained their opponents by more than 100 yards per game. And they finished 8-8. Well, Cowboy fans kept saying, it's the coach. Well, you got a new coach in there in Mike McCarthy, so we'll see if... uh, that will uh, produce some dividends there. Also, with what you have getting uh, your quarterback, Dak Prescott, under contract as well, that would probably help a little bit. Because you, you know what you have with Dak Prescott. Now I add another wide receiver there. That offense should be great this year. All right, 877-3DP-SHOW. Email address dp at danpatrick.com. Twitter handle dpshow. Uh, coming up, we'll talk to Mark Greco. He's one of the great local sportscasters, I think, of all time. And he uh, works for ABC7 in Chicago. And I'm curious. He was there during the Jordan era. He's still there. I want to know what's new for the guys who were covering the Bulls on a daily basis and what stood out so far. And what's bigger, the 85 Bears or the Bulls of the 90s? Yes, Paulie. I I have to admit this. I don't think I've said this. When I was about uh, 17 years old, we were downtown with my family at a restaurant. We saw Mark Giangreco eating, quietly having dinner. And I went right up to him, bothered him in the middle of his meal like a total jerk, and I asked him for an autograph. How old were you? I'm guessing I was 16 or 17. It was right before I graduated high school. Hmm. And it was a nice Italian restaurant, and he was super cool and super nice. And I just couldn't help myself. Again, he was a big celebrity. He is a big celebrity in Chicago, and I grew up on him. The Cubs have retired number 31, so that's Fergie Jenkins and Greg Maddox, the uh, numbers game that we're playing here. We'll also have uh, Bob Costas, he'll join us coming up. You know, baseball's trying, all these leagues are trying to get back, trying to salvage something, how many games. I figured Bob would be great to have on to talk about those possibilities. Also to talk to Bob because Bob was there with NBC 
in that last game for Michael Jordan in a Bulls uniform and, uh, of course, in Salt Lake City. And at the time, I, I didn't know the finality of it. Were you out there, yeah. the whole thing? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I always covered the NBA Finals. But I just remember when it was over, and I'm interviewing everybody with the Chicago Bulls, and I kept thinking, no, they, they have to come to their senses. Like, they can't end this. And then you realize they were going to end this thing. I did not know about the quote where Jerry Krause says to Phil Jackson, if you go 82-0, and you don't keep your job. But other than that, I don't, I don't know that much that's jumped out where I go, boy, I did not, I wasn't aware of that. Uh, Mark Greco joining us on loan from ABC7 in Chicago. And uh, great to have you, Mark. How are you? Dan, how you doing, buddy? Long time. Yeah, and I th- I was thinking of you yesterday. I rewatched episodes one and two, and I thought, you know what, Gian Greco would be great to talk to because you're in a lot of shots. You were there through all of this, and I'm curious from a local perspective, what has stood out so far? Anything that you don't know through four episodes? Well, no breaking news, but there are little vignettes where you forget. You know that it's not uh, laid out chronologically, so. You can't rely on a timeline. But uh, there are all these little things like uh, Michael playing golf with Danny Ainge before they uh, took on the Celtics in the playoffs. Or, you know, that all-access crew was in the locker room for stuff that we were not privy to. So there were some very interesting things. And like you alluded to, Jerry Krause saying, I don't care if you go 82-0, and 0, Phil, you're not coming back. Little things like that. And, uh, you know, it's not just me, obviously. You know, every guy and woman who's ever covered the Bulls during that 98 season, they're going to get their face shot in there sometime during this uh, this documentary. I have a bet with some of my friends as to how many times the tip of my nose is going to appear <laughs> in, all, in all those gang shots, you know. But we were with, we were with them over in uh, France for the uh, McDonald's tournament, which was great. Uh, but again, you know, when they won the trophy, Michael's going, this doesn't count. This is ridiculous. And they kind of just put the, the trophy up on the locker room uh, shelf there, and they walked out. Like, you know, stuff like that. Could you feel get, the tension but... that year, Mark? Oh, absolutely. No question. I mean, for that to all come out before they even started playing was just ridiculous. So, Again, shown in the documentary, Michael's like, stop dogging me about this question. I told you 500 times, not coming back. If Phil doesn't come back, Phil's not coming back. So I'm not coming back. You're going to get the same answer. But you know, Dan, it's our job to just pound away. And we really can't appreciate this until now. It's taken 20-plus years to sit back and say, wow, that was really cool to be part of that because when you're in it, it's like, oh, we got to get this interview. We can't get beat. We got to do this live shot. And I learned how to moonwalk backwards, chasing Michael, Scotty, and Dennis up and down hallways in every arena in the country. So, you know, you're just working and grinding it out and trying to keep up with him. And then, you know, it takes years to sit back and go, yeah, I guess that was pretty cool. What isn't being told? Well, here's the thing, and I thought um, Ken Burns made a valid point. Uh, arguably the greatest documentary producer ever. I've been watching the Roosevelt's and everything else. But look, this isn't on PBS. It's on ESPN. And just like Michael and every other walk of life, he controls the situation. His guys produced it. He handpicked everybody. He decides when it's going to be released. The whole story is told through him. And so some stuff may have hit the cutting room floor. Some stuff that maybe he didn't want in the documentary won't appear. And, you know, the director, Jason Hare, you know, he agreed. He's like, yeah, 
this isn't pure journalism. And I get what Ken Burns is saying, but you know, Dan, nobody cares. Everybody's obsessed with it. It's the only thing that's going on right now. The ratings are through the roof. So journalism be damned, I guess. I also find it interesting and ironic that uh, Ken Burns, I think, had nine episodes of the Civil War. We have 10 episodes of Michael Jordan in the polls. <laughs> Our priorities are in the right place. We, we need 10 episodes, 10 hours to tell the story as opposed to nine hours to tell the Civil War. Oh, absolutely. But, you know, this war lasted longer than the Civil War, I think. I mean, you know, it was 10 years of intensity going through those six championships. And even, uh, you know, chasing Michael back and forth from the batting cage to the field when he was with the Sox in Sarasota in, uh, in spring training. So, uh, you know, I had to do this thing with him as he'd walk out of the batting cage and go to the field every single day. I'd walk with him and I'd say, Mike, you got to stop dogging me. Get off me. I- I'm working. Leave me alone. You know, you had to just play with him because, you know, he was mentally exhausted through it all. We're talking to Mark Gian Greco. He works for ABC7 in Chicago. How long have you been in Chicago? I'm in my 39th year, man. It's yeah. unbelievable. Uh, 12 years with NBC and now 27 with ABC. Who's bigger, the Bears of 85 or the 90 Bulls? Oh, great, great question. I think this is still a Bears town. I think the aura of Ditka presides over everything. I mean, Michael and, and Iron Mike are the two most iconic figures in Chicago sports history. I would have to say still the Bears by a nose, my nose, although now everybody's immersed in the Bulls, and they'll tell you, well, it, it, it's got to be the six championships. But I think overall, if you step back, it's still the Bears. If you could have one question answered by Michael. Honest, mm. what would it be? Tell me the truth about the whole gambling thing. Tell me the truth about why you retired and went to play baseball. You know? And I think in episode seven, that's going to be addressed. I'm not sure. But it goes back to if Michael is controlling this and he gets the final word on everything, how much of... Like, I don't, I don't think this is a total... Um, epiphany where he's going to go you know now i can tell the truth is david stern going to say anything is you know he's interviewed for this david stern everybody has been adamant that hey mike did this and he wanted to play baseball and i thought okay at the peak of your career you want to go play baseball it just mm-hmm. did he get bored with the nba like how does you want to pay tribute to your dad like we all had those questions at the time and i was there right. for his retirement ceremony in chicago where i go how is this guy retiring? It just didn't make sense. It still doesn't make sense. That and the whole Isaiah Thomas and keeping him off the dream team. Oh, I know. I mean, we're so jaded and cynical, and we have to think that he's not telling the entire story. And why would David Stern say anything now? You want to protect the shield, as they used to say about the NFL. You want to protect the NBA logo. You don't want to mess anything up now and have everybody say, oh, my God, you guys have been lying to us. We suspected this all along. It's just going to sit this way. And for Rod Thorne to say, I love Rod, for him to say that Michael never said a word about Isaiah when putting together the Dream Team, I mean, really? And uh, I remember um, Chuck Gowdy, our investigative reporter, was uh, out at practice one day and pressed Michael, you know, is that how you prepare for a playoff game, gambling in Atlantic City? He goes, that's it. And remember, he implemented the media boycott. He didn't speak to us for months. And then finally, one day at practice, we're on the road. I forget where we were. 
he, he looks at me and kind of winks and goes, all right, come on, let's do it. Boom, 500 reporters dive on him. And, uh, but still, Michael's going to, he's going to tell the story the way he wants to tell the story. But what I really enjoy is him cursing every five minutes because we've heard him swear up and down in the locker room, in the hallway. But this is the first time on camera where he's dropping F-bombs, and I'm sure there's a prop bet on how many once they get through the 10 episodes. <laughs> I'm not sure if we'll ever have an athlete who will be this beloved in a team sport. I mean, he was feared, but he was beloved. And when he went to your arena, you showed up because you wanted him to be great. You wanted to see greatness. It wasn't one of those, unless you're a Pistons fan, you showed up and I think you wanted to be entertained by him and by that team. You know, we got tired of the Golden State Warriors. It didn't take long for us to get tired of that. The Patriots yeah. were never embraced by America. The Spurs were never embraced. The Bulls, that was the, that was the amazing part of it, Mark, where people loved watching them, even if it meant to the detriment of your team. No question, Dan. And, you know, can you imagine load management implemented in the 90s? I mean, you know, Michael showed up every single night, and he was aware that they all came to see him. He's not going to do a Kawhi Leonard and sit out a couple of games. Uh, most of these people can't afford these tickets. It's a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity to have Michael Jordan come in town and see him live. And every player was like that in the 90s. They punched you in the face if you tried to come in the lane, and they felt an obligation to play every night and perform and entertain. It's completely different now. Feel free to not answer this, but did you ever hit the town with Dennis Rodman? Um, let's say I was having dinner one night and he rolled in with some people and this was maybe 10 years ago. Um, not while he was playing for the bulls, I wouldn't go near him because, you know, I'm a moth to flame. But uh, the first thing he said to me was, are you still here? That's how he greeted me. And I said, yeah, man, but always wanted to. And, um, I think he would have invited all of us to come out one night, but I think we were scared to death. I went out with him one night at the Crowbar. Uh-oh. Yeah, yeah. I've driven by there <laughs> ten times and decided, you know what, I'm just not going to do it because, you know, Dan, I'm out of suspension. I got a couple years left on my deal, and I can't afford to get suspended anymore. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, We don't need to go down that road of all the times you've been suspended. But, um, yeah, I went out with but Dennis. I'll tell you, though, I'll, t I'll tell you, we share the same birthday, yeah. Dennis and Stevie Wonder and I, and we're kindred spirits in some really weird, twisted ways. And uh, remember, the Bigsby and Carruthers men's store would advertise on the building along the Eden's Expressway in downtown Chicago, and they would have Rodman's mural up there, his giant face, painted. And uh, he was changing his hair color every week. So they had giant pieces of plywood in different colors, and they would just change his hair every week. <laughs> I wound up with one of those huge pieces of plywood in my garage, and I still have no idea how I got it. It was the uh, the pinkish chartreuse one. And uh, the, the thing was gigantic. It's like 10 feet tall and about 15 feet wide. But I think I lost that in the divorce, too. So I don't know. <laughs> he, was, he was not a great interview, but he was a fascinating character. That, you know, that, Scotty wasn't a great interview, but there was, there was a lot of drama surrounding Scotty. Michael could be a great interview. And then you had the other you know, underlings there, the... Harp wasn't necessarily a great interview. Tony Kukoc, 
Phil could be at times, but... Oh, by the way, we had Charles Barkley on it, and Charles said that Jerry Reinsdorf has no blood on his hands. All the blood is on Jerry Krause, which I agree. It feels like this was all Jerry Krause that I build it and I tear it down, and Jerry Reinsdorf, the owner, had nothing to do with this. Is that real? Well, no, that's not real at all. But Jerry, you know, wanted to be a hands-off owner, and so he kind of just let Krause do what he wanted to do, and he respected Krause as a scout, as a judge of talent, as a general manager, both in baseball and basketball, he did, he said in the documentary, you know, I didn't hire him to win any popularity contest. Jerry Krause rubbed everybody the wrong way. He was the little fat guy who wanted to be part of the cool group. And what really struck me was we saw this all the time, but it just really stung to see it again. Michael and Scotty just abusing Krause to his face, and it got so personal. It was like, you know, he didn't. Kraus didn't like the media either, especially didn't like a particular group of us. And we're like, yeah, you know, this guy was brutal. But it still stung to watch him be berated by Scotty and Michael like that. It's like, ooh, God. But I think Reinsdorf obviously does have some blood on his hands for all of it. you got to be kidding. It's just like Rocky Wirtz and the Blackhawks now. Rocky's a hands-off owner, but uh, he finally took it upon himself to step in and blow that whole thing up. So, uh, Jerry Reinsdorf certainly is accountable as the owner. Great to talk to you, Mark. And uh, try not to get in trouble, all right? I won't, Dan. And go Flyers, the year that could have been. Oh, my God. I know. Mark Greco, sports director of ABC7 in Chicago. Really one of the great local sportscasters in history. Every time you go to Chicago, and there was a competitive market, really competitive market. And Greco, I mean, they were all, they, and they, they had to be there every single night. For Jordan, because they, you can't really describe the, it, I mean, it was the circus is in town every night and for years it was in town. The fact that, you know, the Bears were one year and then the second year they should have won another Super Bowl. But, you know, that it was a three year window for the for the Bears. The Bulls were a good eight years. And they were a phenomenon. You know, we loved Magic and Showtime. That's probably as close as you would get, I think, where you were entertained to see something you'd never seen before. When Magic and the Lakers and Cream came to town, it felt different. You know, those uniforms looked great. You know, the Celtics came to town. You know, there was curiosity, I think, to see Bird, but I don't think they were ever beloved, beholden. The Bulls were, they were loved. That, that, and I know it sounds like it's an overstatement that they were the Beatles. They were the Beatles. They were. Take a break. We'll be back after this in the Dan Patrick Show. Thanks for listening to the Dan Patrick Show podcast. Be sure to catch us live every weekday morning, 9 until noon Eastern, 6 to 9 Pacific on Fox Sports Radio. And you can find us on the iHeartRadio app at FSR or stream us live every day at YouTube.com slash The Dan Patrick Show. We have our Discover Card moment of the week. It was earlier in the week when Charles Barkley joined us and talked about the front office of the Chicago Bulls. We looked at Jerry Krause was the villain, and then it... No, he wasn't. No, he wasn't. No, no, no. He was portrayed as the villain because, you know, at the end, because he took it apart. He didn't take that apart. Anybody think that's a fool? That thing was all orchestrated by Jerry Reinsdorf. The notion that that little man broke up the Bulls is <laughs> asinine and absurd. <laughs> Hey, listen, John, if you go back and look at the and, and use common sense, just use plain common sense. 
Jerry Reinsdorf broke up the Bulls because he didn't want to pay anybody. That's Charles Barkley. That's our Discover Card moment of the week. Brought to you, of course, by Discover Card. You can uh, get free credit scores today. The credit scorecard, even if you're not a Discover customer, includes your FICO credit score. Checking your scorecard won't hurt your credit. Learn more at discover.com slash credit scorecard. Limitations do apply. I uh, saw this story. Danny Cannell is a former NFL quarterback, and he was uh, on the herd yesterday on Fox Sports Radio. And he had this to say about Aaron Rodgers. I would just tweak it to say he's Jay Cutler with a ring. You know, imagine if he didn't have a Super Bowl win early in his career. And, I mean, clearly he's a better quarterback than Jay Cutler. Statistically, he's been there. But is he a leader of men? Like, does he inspire the team around him? Watch the quarterbacks that do that. Look at Tom Brady. Look at Patrick Mahomes. Look at Peyton Manning. Look at Drew Brees. And I'll go back to something that really bothered me during the NFC um, game with the San Francisco 49ers when they were getting beat. Do you remember the fumble in that game that Aaron Rodgers hardly even went after? Yep. I talked to a bunch of quarterbacks, guys that had played in the NFL, and it bothered a lot of them too. That's Danny Cannell with the herd talking about Aaron Rodgers. Now, he's saying two different things here. Is this about his play, his style, or his demeanor? Because it feels like this is... His demeanor is more like Jay Cutler, and Jay Cutler always seemed like he was removed from his team, that he wasn't fully invested. He was lethargic, that nothing really got him excited. Um, So Aaron Rodgers is Jay Cutler with the ring, which, okay, that's obviously incorrect because he's so much better than Jay Cutler. He has one, he has a ring, Jay Cutler doesn't. Their demeanors are the same. If you want to extract that, okay. But you can't say Aaron Rodgers is Cutler with a ring. He is, Aaron Rodgers has a Super Bowl ring with a demeanor that is similar to Jay Cutler's, but talent-wise, it's different. And results are different than Jay Cutler. I mean, I know it feels like it's open season on Aaron Rodgers, or it's been that way. And, and look, I'm not trying to be territorial. I, I admire what he does. I do like him. But, you know, one day he's going to be done in Green Bay. And somebody else is going to come in and then we'll move on. It's like, how can you replace Brett Favre? Well, we replaced Brett Favre and we moved on. That's what happens in sports. They come, they go. I've been fortunate to be in this business a long time. I see them when they start. I see them when they go. Same thing will happen to Aaron Rodgers. It's like, who's going to... How do you replace Tom Brady? Somebody eventually will replace Tom Brady. Who's going to replace Joe Montana? Somebody eventually came along and replaced Joe Montana. But Aaron Rodgers is not Jay Cutler with the ring. Now, it's a nice headline there. Absolutely. Incorrect headline. He has the demeanor of Jay Cutler. I'll give you that. Yeah, McLevin. I mean, it's too far to even be a headline. It's not a nice headline because it's ridiculous. I don't think... I You were exactly... Well, this is clickbait. This is clickbait. That's all that is. But couldn't he have named a better quarterback than Jay Cutler to go? Okay. I like you. I'm guessing then that Danny Cannell would like Phillip Rivers over Aaron Rodgers. Right? Because you love that demeanor. Phillip Rivers is all in. He's competitive. And he's going to win. Jameis Winston has got enthusiasm. And I want Jameis. All right. Maybe I don't. Joe Montana was known as Joe Cool. Wait a minute, you're not firing competitive. 
Thanks for listening to the Dan Patrick Show podcast. Be sure to catch us live every weekday morning, 9 to noon Eastern or 6 to 9 Pacific on Fox Sports Radio. Find your local station for the Dan Patrick Show at foxsportsradio.com or stream us live every day on the iHeartRadio app by searching FSR.